Welcome to Housing Developments. I'm Jerry Howard. And I'm Paul Lopez filling in for Jim Tobin. Paul, thanks for joining us today. And uh, as always, want to start off by uh, giving a shout out to our sponsors, Wells Fargo Home Mortgage. Uh, we encourage our members to seriously consider using Wells Fargo as part of your financing packages. Absolutely. Paul, what's going on in your world? Well, I think it's like everybody else's world, wrapping up for IBS. Um, look, I, I'm actually pretty excited about the show. Like, I, I know that it's going to be odd, but there's some really cool things that are being developed for this year's show. So I, I'm excited about it. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good time. Registration is going very well. And, uh, you know, the exhibitors are probably a bit more nervous about COVID than our, our potential attendee group. And, and that's probably going to be reflected some in the size of the show. But there's going to be a, a lot there, and it's going to be a, 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 a great opportunity to reconnect with everybody. There's going to be people there that we haven't seen in two years, for crying out loud. It's, it's just going to be like a family homecoming. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, you know, I look on the app, and, and I encourage everybody to get the International Builder Show app. Just go to your app store and type in IBS. Um, ignore the first few findings that deal with your digestive tract. But um, then it's easy to download and you can do your entire schedule on the app. But there's some cool things in there. I mean, the new product zone in the South Hall seems pretty cool. And there's the home tech zone. And then, of course, there's the new American home. So I, I'm excited. We won't get to do any of that because you and I will be in meetings and, you know, dealing with uh, business all, all week. But uh, it's cool that it's there and available. Yeah, I think our members will have a great time. And then, of course, there's. Uh, there's the opening ceremony with Magic Johnson and uh, the closing Spike concert with Trace Atkins. So uh, I think we're in for a really good time uh, and a great platform as we get ready to uh, move back to Las Vegas in 2023. Absolutely. So, so before we get to our guest, let me ask you something. There's a little bit of news here that we made, actually, um, in regards to the waters of the U.S. and uh, the Supreme Court. Is there any more updates to that? Well, the Supreme Court has uh, agreed to take a case on waters of the U.S. It's one that uh, has been hanging around for quite a while. I know that uh, Jim Tobin and our legal staff are very, very excited. Oral arguments are supposed to be sometime this spring, um, and we'll look for a decision. Jim doesn't know that, uh, that if a decision will be rendered uh, this, this summer or this fall, or it'll take longer, uh, because it is going to be a controversial case. But at least we're there. We're in the in the highest court in the land, and we'll go forward from there. Uh, and speaking of, of the Supreme Court, uh, we would be remiss if we did not congratulate Justice Breyer on an outstanding career in jurisprudence. Um, whether you agreed with his uh, positions or disagreed with them, his positions were always founded on logic and the facts as he interpreted them, not on political uh, views, and not uncertainly on his own uh, personal views. He has been a, uh, a justice's justice, as it were. And uh, we, we wish him the best in his retirement. Yeah. Uh, and moving on, uh, President Biden now gets to appoint um, uh, the next nominee for the Supreme Court. Uh, he made a pledge during the campaign to nominate an African-American woman. And uh, those names are, are surfacing already today. Uh, of several African-American women that are qualified. And so uh, there will be history made, the first African-American woman 
uh, will be uh, will be sitting on the Supreme Court. So uh, we look forward to that process going forward. Will that affect, you know, obviously it'll affect the congressional calendar, but I mean, will, will you see that everything grind to a halt or do you think this is just going to be a sideshow and everything else is going to happen, you know, as usual? I think it has to be a sideshow. I think that um, with the midterm elections coming up uh, and the Biden agenda being stalled for the most part, that they have to keep grinding away on that and see if they can uh, pull something out uh, that they can campaign on uh, this summer and this fall. So I think it has to be that. And the other element of this is, I think the Republicans have to realize that while whoever the nominee is has to be vetted properly and has to go through the appropriate channels, ultimately the Democrats control the Senate uh, and ultimately uh, that candidate would win on strict party lines. And if Vice President Harris uh, had to cast a tie-breaking vote, uh, she would be happy to do that. So I, I think that this will not go to the uh, same uh, extremes that the most uh, other uh, recent uh, Supreme Court nominees have gone through. I think this will be a, a, a little bit of a different process. And now we'd like to welcome in our guest, Jackson Morrill, who is the uh, head of the American Wood Council. Jackson, welcome to Housing Development. Thank you, Jerry. It's great to be with you. Tell us a little bit about the Wood Council. Who are your members? What do you guys do? Sure. So uh, the American Wood Council represents the manufacturers of structural wood products. So that means our members include companies that make the lumber and engineered wood products used to build homes today. And uh, AWC is largely a technical organization. So we're focused on building codes and standards, but we also do education and outreach uh, as well as advocacy in, uh, in Washington and in states and local jurisdictions. But you know, in the last couple of years, uh, we've really ramped up our efforts on an issue that's of critical importance to our industry. And in fact, you know, the entire supply chain, and that's climate change, or, you know, in particular, carbon emissions and, and how those are getting measured and how they're getting applied in the market and in, in government. So, you know, I'm really glad, you know, that I could be with you today and explore maybe some of that and, and why that's important to your members. So, so why is the wood products industry so interested in carbon issues? I mean, I, I know that we're, we're kind of pivoting from the whole larger structure of buildings to now actual products, but is, is that right. the motivation? Well, that's definitely a big part of it, uh, Paul. Um, so, you know, I'll start, you know, just by saying this, that the good news is that the home building industry has had it right all along. Uh, you know, by choosing wood products, you're way ahead of the curve on maintaining the lowest possible carbon footprint. And, and again, this is, this is an area of increasing importance and interest, both in the market and, and in government. So let, let me speak a little bit about why wood is such a good choice. And that's because it is the most remarkable carbon reduction building material available, period. And there are a couple of reasons for that. One, it has a very low embodied carbon so embodied carbon is the amount of carbon expended in the harvest or extraction, transportation, manufacturing, use, and end of life of the product. So it's that full sort of chain that goes across the product itself. And wood products, when you compare it to competing materials, has an extremely low embodied carbon. So that's one important attribute. But the story is 
goes beyond that, and, and this is really, I think, what sets wood apart and makes it unique. That's because wood has this incredible ability to store carbon as well. So you have trees in the forest that through photosynthesis are capturing carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. And then when those trees are harvested, that carbon is in the wood products that are then going into the homes. And the carbon is actually 50% by weight of the wood itself. So all of that carbon is getting stored in homes when they are built. So you have this incredible dynamic where you harvest the wood, you, you store that carbon in the home, and at the same time, you're replanting new trees that are gathering more carbon out of the atmosphere. So it has this incredibly dynamic carbon cycle that you're maximizing by building with wood and storing that carbon in the building. Forests also have other benefits as well that maybe aren't accounted for always, but are you know, very important as well. Things like water management and biodiversity and even use and recreation, you know, those are important uses for the hunters out there, the folks that like to, to you know, move in the outdoors, that's, a, that, that's an added benefit as well. And then our industry is a rural industry, so we support rural economies and, and rural jobs. So really there's no other building material that even comes close to this kind of environmental and social benefit. And so we want to make sure that that benefit is told properly and is measured properly. And then, you know, for the home building industry, you know, it, it's really important that you understand that the extensive use of wood products is directly tied to and supporting those benefits. So home builders should be proud of that. And that's something that's worth noting uh, to the market. And in government. Let, me ask you, let me ask you a question, Jackson. Sure. Is, is there a way to empirically measure um, this carbon storage cycle so that when we're dealing with uh, environmental extremists and others who have taken control over um, the, the growth patterns in our nation and more in particularly in our towns, uh, that we can demonstrate the environmental value of harvesting lumber and wood? Because as you know, we're taking it on the chin in the, uh, in, in the, in the liberal media with respect to our damage that we do to the environment well i first of all jerry th that's unfounded and and you know that you know we're, we're working hard to change that dynamic and i think that's that's sort of the most important piece to this but you know what i would say jerry is that there is a way to measure and we're actively looking to support ways to measure carbon properly and i think you know the the, the, the important place that we're starting with is good data. So we're collecting data as an industry and ensuring that we have that data in place to support, you know, the storytelling that we need to do and also some of these accounting mechanisms that are coming up. But we also need to make sure that the, the rules of the game are set properly for how that's measured. And there are a number of ways that that's occurring. Um, you know, right, right now, I think, much of the focus for your members when you look at this issue has been on the energy code issues, right? And how, how carbon is measured through the energy code. But, you know, we're seeing a shift now and there really is a movement now to look at how folks are choosing building materials and, 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 and what goes into those choices. And these initiatives are looking at the things that I was just describing, you know, that, that embodied carbon that, um, you know, is expended in making that product and measuring that and then driving procurement choices, both in the state and federal level, 
to move towards lower carbon footprint products. So we're seeing that in, in buy clean. I don't know if you guys have heard of the, these things, but there's a buy clean uh, movement going on with states for, for state procurement. California has one, there are other jurisdictions. And these are green procurement mandates that are intended to drive the use of lower carbon materials. And then at the federal level, you know, there's quite a bit of effort now. The president just issued an executive order uh, that's, that's setting federal targets for, for lower carbon. So while these efforts are initially, you know, looking at larger multifamily type construction, I, I think it's important for home builders to understand that, that these policies have an impact potentially, and it's not out of the question that they could reach into the residential space. So, you know, th these are also in policies that are influential in, in market preferences and in voluntary standards as well, sort of like what we see in the engineer uh, in the energy code space and in voluntary standards, you know, these things could sort of transition into that area too. So getting those methods right now, those accounting methods and the data is imperative to ensure that your members are not at risk for things like future regulation, but then also they can defend against this misinformation that's out there in the marketplace about, you know, how, how working force are managing and that, you know, the fact that this great story about wood and storing carbon, that that is told properly. So, so by, by using wood and by telling that story and making sure the rules are set right, you know, you're going to, the home builders can insulate themselves from this, these future challenges. Jackson, let, let me ask you a question. Like, what are some of the headwinds? What, what keeps you up at night in terms of the policy right now that you're, you're concerned of and some of the things that you're fighting and, and maybe we can help and be a part of that fight? Well, Paul, that, that's a good question. I appreciate you asking it. Um, uh, and particularly the offer to help. That's great. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're, we, are, we are concerned about how fast these things are moving. There's an aggressive push to get these kind of buy clean mandates into regulatory space without having complete data or a strategy that really maximizes the outcomes. And it's, it's particularly important for home builders that use a lot, because you guys use a lot of wood, that we get wood right um, in these systems. So, you know, what, what keeps me up at night really is that we that we set the rules of the game properly, so then at the end of the day, you know these federal procurement programs, these state mandates, these these you know market market actors um, that are that are affecting how architects, designers, builders build. You know all of that is done and properly credits not only the the, the embodied carbon, low embodied carbon for wood, but also the stored carbon. So that's a big, big part of it. And then, you know, once we get the rules right and we get people measuring properly, and there's widespread agreement on that, then I think what happens is we get we get a better platform to tell the story. And it's harder for others to start to puncture our story and, and to challenge it because, you know, we can fall back on good data and good methodology. And, and that's sort of the, that's the ground that we can operate from. So, you know, we're working really, really hard on that. You know, at the state level, we're engaged in these buy clean bills to make sure they're doing the right thing. At the federal level, you know, we're engaged with many, many different elements of the government to, to try and get the right benchmarking and the right data in place. Um, and then, you know, we're also collaborating with others maybe that we traditionally haven't been able to make sure that they understand the story and they're getting it right.
Well, this is very exciting. I mean, if if we can actually um, socialize and get accepted a means of demonstrating this uh, that's empirical and that will uh, carry some weight with this uh, with the scientific community, uh, Jackson, that can be a real game changer for us. Oh, so yeah. I, I think um, we've got to uh, join forces here and make sure that we're working together uh, to mainstream these ideas and 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 this concept. Are you currently working uh, with the scientific community um, on an effort that we can join in? So we are actively engaged in a number of ways. Uh, you know, first of all, I would just note that the the Department of Agriculture, the Forest Service in particular, you know, they do quite a bit of work on on measuring carbon um, and looking at both the forest level and then you know throughout the chain. So you know, we we are actively supporting their efforts to 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 do that work and to look at it carefully. And then we also are working with you know, uh, various um, other groups to, to look for opportunities to, to continue to build out the data set and to drive it. So, you know, Jerry, we'd be happy to talk in greater detail with you about that. One, one thing that we, we think is going to be really important is making sure that as the government is looking at, you know, funding opportunities for next year, that the work that the, the Forest Service is doing on wood and trying to tell that story and gather the data, that that has the funding it needs. Uh, to move forward. And then, you know, one, I just add to this, you know, too, you know, the, the, we think the federal government has a role here, um, not only in, 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 in collecting new data and doing the science, because, you know, the science tells the story. We win. I mean, the science will tell the story, but, but the, it's how it's measured in these accounting systems. So, you know, one of the things we're pursuing, just a quick example, is we're looking at a database that already exists in the federal government called LCA Commons, and trying to position LCA Commons as sort of the data hub for all different product materials that are used in buildings, so that there's a consistent application of that data across, you know, different measurements and different systems, and that there's some there's some trust in where that data is and how it's and how it's being collected and how it's being applied. So if we can get that funded and get that positioned properly, you know that that right there would do a quite a bit to help sort of stabilize the way these are, you know markets operating and the way this is being measured going forward. Well, um, uh, to quote uh, from the popular TV show Shark Tank, we're in. Um, awesome. We'd love to be a part of this. So uh, just uh, keep us engaged, and we'll get our government affairs team lined up with yours and. See if we can get something like this done. Just imagine, Paul, the notion of um, the radical no-growthers consistently applying data to a process would be, uh, it, it's, a, it's a novel concept. I was going to say, yeah, it would be a nice change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Jackson, what else should we be looking for from, from your organization and uh, issues that are coming down the pike that we can, uh, that we can unite on? Yeah, no, Jerry, that's great. So, you know, again, you know, we, we see a lot of opportunity with the federal government to, to engage. So, you know, if there are ways that we can work together to try and get, you know, some of those so some of those data pieces and uh, and 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 some of the rules of the game set right. Um, you know, there are a lot of agencies that are looking at this now. The White House, um, you know, the Council on Environmental Quality, uh, General Services Administration, so GSA, the the group that does procurement. 
Um, you know, USDA is engaged, DOE is looking at this issue, HUD's looking at this issue. So, you know, it's very active right now and there are opportunities to, to influence and touch each of those areas. And then certainly obviously on the Hill as well, you know, we wanna make sure we're educating everyone on why this is important and, and why this has big impacts potentially really important impacts on, on not only our industry, but those that use our products as well. And so we want to make sure they're aware of that and actively engaged. And then maybe I would just, maybe, you know, Jerry, if I could end sort of in, in, this, in this fashion, I would, you know, I think climate change has moved from debate around the science to a business reality. And I think, I think it's been a pretty recent shift, but a dramatic one. So, for example, I don't know if you guys know this, but just yesterday, Lowe's announced that it's going to be setting net zero targets this year that are going to include near and long term targets that cover the embodied carbon, that, that carbon number I was talking about, for the products that they sell in their stores. So this means that Lowe's in the future could be making decisions about what products they sell based on, on carbon footprint in part. So you, you can see how dramatically this is shifting now to impact the market. And, you know, just one other quick example. A lot of companies are now reporting carbon as part of their public corporate reporting uh, from the SEC. So that's, you know, this ESG reporting, you may have heard some of that. You know, that's really starting to take off and it's something to watch. But I think the good news, and again, this is really the take home, I hope, is the good news is that wood products are a part of the climate solution. There's no question. So we just mean to make sure that we're setting the rules of the game for a level playing field so that the carbon benefits that wood have and then the environmental and social benefits as well, that those are properly taken into consideration. And I think home builders stand to gain in this process quite a bit thanks to the extensive use of wood in, in today's homes. And I think that really should be encouraging. So, you know, hopefully we can move forward together and, and close the deal on this thing and make sure that, you know, we get the credit we deserve. Jackson, uh, um, that is the last word on the subject. Nothing more to be said after that. Uh, thanks so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Jackson Morrill from the American Wood Council. Jackson, thanks again. All right, thank you. Well, you know, Jackson, that was very interesting. He, he obviously uh, is taking a, an approach to wood products and the harvesting of lumber um, that can be very, very beneficial to us. Uh, I'm excited about the opportunity to work with him and see if we can um, get some deeper scientific analyses to counter uh, the ones that we've had to cope with for so long. Yeah, I think this would be a great one-two punch with their organization and our organization. I think we'd be a, a force to be reckoned with. Yep, so we'll see. Uh, when we get back from IBS, that'll be uh, high on the priority list. I can assure you of that. Uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, we look forward to seeing everybody at IBS. Uh, uh, we may be recording a podcast down there. If we are, we'll try and do it somewhere where we can have a live studio audience coming to you from Orlando. But in the interim, everybody, Safe travels. We'll see you in Orlando. And once again, thanks to uh, Wells Fargo. Excellent. Thank you very much. And Jerry, thank you for having me on the, uh, the front side of the microphone tour. Yeah, you're pretty good. I'm going to have to talk to Tobin. It may be time for him to find a new line of work. Anyway, thanks again, everybody. This is Jerry Howard. This is Paul Lopez. Bye-bye. Take care.